Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bears Nation Podcast. Jake Hassan joined by Kevin Lapkin, Chris Nano, as always. Post-draft edition. Not a whole lot to talk about except the picks that were made. Obviously, Ryan Pace did some wheeling and dealing on day three. Uh, Obviously, didn't have a first-round pick, so we are here to break that down for you. Talk about who the Bears got, who is going to be joining the roster, potential starters, what we expect from them and what to expect down the line from these guys. So, boys, let's get right into it. Uh, Pick number 43, the Bears ended up staying put. There was some controversy around this pick, but, you know, Ryan Pace addressed, I guess you could call it a need, a a position that you don't have a young guy at. Uh, He drafted Cole Komet from Arlington Heights, St. Viator alum, Notre Dame tight end. I'll say this. He was the best tight end on the board. Granted, it was a weak tight end class, but this is a position where you have Jimmy Graham on a one-year deal, and you know that Matt Nagy likes and and wants to do two tight end sets. Uh, He came from the Andy Reid tree, and the Bears, when you look at it, the Athletic put out a piece that, compared to the Chiefs and the Eagles, the Bears ran like 200, 300 less two tight end set plays than each of those two teams. So obviously not doing what they wanted. They get a Y Y tight end now to go with Jimmy Graham. I don't know. At first I was upset because there were two really good safeties on the board in Grant Delpit and Antoine Winfield Jr., who we've all talked about on this show. But Ryan Pace decided to go another way. You get a day one starter, but I just don't know how I feel about going with the tight end position and what was a relatively weak tight end class. I mean, I think it's just, look, no one hates Cole Komet. No Bears fans hate Cole Komet. They don't hate the pick. They just hate where it was selected. And that's exactly what Jake said is, you know, no matter what you think about it, and we talk about value all the time and whether you should go position of need, best player available. Well, you had a position of need and the better player available in Antoine Winfield Jr. or Grant Alpitt at 43. And I think that's why people are so upset. Um, and you could argue, I mean, I, I'm sure you could argue that the safety position is as big of a hole as a, as the tight end position right now, de- depending on what you think about Deion Bush. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm warming up to the pick. Like, you can't be angry about it because you have to understand what they're doing. You know, you, you do understand that they're trying to make the offense better. You know, we always say on this show, Mitch, or this offense really just needs a tight end to function. You know, they think they got their guy, and while tight ends usually don't produce that much in their first year, uh, you don't necessarily need Cole Komet to be a 500-yard receiver in year one. You just need him to, you know, block well on the edges, 
catch maybe 300 yards and five touchdowns or something and let Jimmy Graham and the other guys do the rest. So um, could have had better value, but I understand why they made the pick. and We just got to roll with it now. Yeah, no, I mean, look, no, you can you can talk about it however you want, but this pick was a reach. I don't think there's any way around that. Yes. Um, this pick was definitely a reach. You know, and but kind of to, to, to the point of what Kevin was saying, I mean, it's a position of need. Um, you know, we needed a tight end. We need we need tight. We need productivity out of our tight ends. It's just really that simple. Um, it just it just funny how it ended up because Antoine Winfield Jr., Grant Delpit and KJ Hamler were the next were literally the next three picks after <laughs> Cole Kmet. And it was just like, man, like we're just getting trolled out here. But um <clears throat> You know, I tweeted this out yesterday. As long as Cole Kmet comes in and produces, I really don't think anybody's going to care where he was drafted. Like, imagine if the guy's going off. Like, no one's going to sit here and be like, damn, I wish we took him in the third round. Like, it, it won't really matter, you know. So, um, as long as he, he comes in, does his job, um, you know, that, that's that's all that really matters. And, you know, no one no one hates Cole Kmet. Let, no. let's, just, let's just get that out of the way. I think we're, I mean, we're all going to be rooting for him. Um, he's a Chicago kid. So, um, you know, that, that's just, that, that's how it's going to go down. Yeah. Like you guys said, nobody hates this pick. Um, everybody I think likes this pick. It was just a matter of the position taken. And obviously the video of Cole Kmet being emotional by being picked by the bears. That was really cool. Obviously. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we'll be happy with this pick down the line. Um, you know, just in the moment, it's a little, it's just a little frustrating because it seemed like there were other areas of need that you could have addressed. Um, as far as Komet being a reach, I've actually come around on that after seeing some pieces from the athletic. Um, they posted some of the rankings that uh, Komet was in overall ranking. Dane Brugler had him 58. Daniel Jeremiah had him 41. Matt Miller had him 49. Mel Kuyper had him 29. Uh, McShay had him 45. Sports Illustrated had him 50. Um, and most of them had him as the top tight end in the class. So given that, it's a little easier to swallow. Um, and again, like I said, I think down the line, I think two years from now, we're going to be really, really happy with this pick and what it, and what has come of it. Um, just in the moment, you know, especially seeing uh, Delpit and Winfield Jr. go right away, the two picks after you, when possibly could have fallen to 50. But it's fine. I think, like you guys said, 300, 400 yards, a few touchdowns here. And I, I think we'll be happy with it because it does give you a day one starter who has a chance to be a really, really solid player for the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Go the ahead, only Kev. thing about Winfield Jr. is just, I mean, it, it, I would say it's a, it, it was almost a miracle that that guy fell. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that no safeties were taken in the first round and, and Ryan Pace said a week before the draft, I'm taking best player available no matter what. So, I mean, there, I mean, we know not to listen to Ryan Pace. There's more affirmation of that, but I just, I don't know. I mean, like, I look at this roster, and yes, the offense needs to get better, but I'm still not comfortable with Deion Bush at at strong, at, at strong safety. And, you know, there's still a Tony Jefferson out there. There's still moves to be made. But 
I just think you were get, I mean, I'm just a believer in Anton Winfield Jr. Again, two years down the line, he could be a bust and I could be completely wrong. But I think that guy was a, a star and it, unbelievable that he fell that far. And it, and it proves that, again, Chris said that him, Del Pitt, and Kamler were taking three after that. The teams after us were looking like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't take either of those guys. Thank you. Falls right into their hands. But, um, again, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to keep complaining about it because we got to roll with it. Tight end is what we need. I just thought, man, I'm just, oh, he was right there. Winfrey Duna was right there for the taking. Yeah. yeah um, r- real quick, I just – I don't want to, like, add more fuel to the fire, but uh, <laughs> next year's tight end class is literally phenomenal. Like, it is amazing. Amazing, maybe one of the best ever, if not the best ever. And um, you know, that's kind of why. That's kind of why I I was I was a little bit upset when Trey Burton got cut because you guys you I mean you guys know how I feel about Trey yeah. Burton, but when he got cut, I mean I think we all felt like this was gonna like this was a possibility. And um, you know, I at the end of the day, I I really think at like once they released Trey Burton, like seeing how it all played out. Like, I really think they knew they wanted Cole Kmet and they just, you know, they, they just took him when, you know, they were just hoping he fell to 43 and then they just took him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, next year's tight end class is going to be amazing. Um, so I I would have honestly just been OK with rolling with Burton and and Graham and just getting grabbing a tight end next year. But it is what it is. And I mean, this is our tight end now. So all we can do is just hope for the best. Well, here's the thing about that, about next year's class. I think this shows that Ryan Pace is scared for his job. He's trying to yeah. play. He's He was drafting for the now. He was drafting yeah. for it. He said, all right, this guy can come in, play immediately, compliment the offense right away. Um, as he should be, because, you know, expectations have been sky high and he hasn't met those and he's failed to develop Trubisky. And granted, that's not his job to develop him, but yeah. pick Trubisky and has whiffed on some first round picks. Um, so you can tell that Ryan Pace is feeling the heat of that, uh, of his seat. He's feeling like, okay, there's a chance I might not be here next year for that phenomenal tight end class. So I got to do something now to help the team right now and win. But, um, you know, you hope that didn't influence his decision again. Like I said, I think, uh, this is still going to be a good pick, but, um, they did get help immediately after at 50 you got Jalen Johnson from Utah he's a second team all-american fell because of some injury uh scares some injury issues but and this is what I'll say for Ryan Pace he knows how to pick guys who have been injured I mean look at the other guy in the backfield (laughs) and the the on the defensive backfield Eddie Jackson fell to the fourth round because of a broken leg um Jalen Johnson Played through a labrum injury, played through a chest injury. So that's kind of the culture that the Bears like, guys who are tough, guys who are mentally willing to put themselves out there and risk themselves for the team. And I think he's going to be really good. You, That was a need you, addra- you addressed. I know safety was the big one, and we talked about that on this show, but cornerback wasn't completely unaddressed. Either. I mean, you had a hole there after Amukamara left. Uh, as much as we love Buster Screen on this show, I'd rather keep him in the slot than put him outside. Um, so I think Jalen Johnson, I think that's another immediate starter that you get. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, I know you love Jalen. Go ahead. Yeah. So let me start off by saying I watched a ton of Pac-12, uh, football for obvious reasons. Um, but when, when ASU went to go play Utah, okay. You guys know Brandon Ayuk. I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone knows his name now. First round pick to the San Francisco for the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. He literally, like, what he did to Brandon Ayuk was something I've never seen before. Brandon Ayuk could not 
like he was pressing Brandon Ayuk and Brandon Ayuk could not do anything. He literally could not do Brandon Ayuk could not get out of his grasp. So it was just like I was just watching that. I was like, man, like this is this is tough, you know, because at that at that time, I didn't know Jalen Johnson was going to be a bear, obviously. So, you know, I'm rooting for that guy to get absolutely toasted. But <laughs> I mean, it didn't um, that didn't happen. And let me tell you, this Jalen Johnson hype is real. This guy is very, very good. He wasn't he wasn't one of my top, I don't know, three cornerbacks. Uh, but I mean, he's a very, very good corner. I think he's a perfect compliment to Kyle Fuller because they kind of bring different things to the table. He wasn't your top three, but he was top three in a lot of other people's big oh, boards. Yeah. I mean, I mean, oh, this yeah. guy was up there, and I think teams panicked on the injury. And yeah. the good thing is uh, <clears throat> our friends at the Chicago Audible, Nicholas Moriano, did like a, an interview with a medical guy about this exact injury and said that Bears fans should not be worried about his injury, should not be worried about re-injuring uh, the risk of that. So, I mean, that is unbelievable news. I mean, this guy, his talent is through the roof, and we talk about – players who can come in and be day one starters. I think this guy is ready to go. He doesn't need to have a lot of work put in. I mean, he needs to put in the work, but he is a polished player and he is going to start immediately, in my opinion, right opposite of Kyle Fuller on the other side. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he will too. Uh, I mean, Utah, people are going to see Utah and and kind of sniff at it, but that's a good D one school played Arizona state played USC teams like that. So I think he's going to be a little bit last year for a little while. Hang on, hang on. That defense last year was phenomenal. They were one of the best defenses in the country. And, you know, Jalen Johnson was a big reason for that. So, I mean, I don't think anybody should be downplaying that. No, I think he's he's a day one starter. I really like him. I think that's great value there. Um, You know, injuries make guys fall, and the Bears, I think, uh, benefited from that here. Um, Okay, obviously the Bears did not have a third or fourth round pick. Had to wait until round five. And Ryan Pace, once again, uh, making moves, trading some future assets, because, again, he's not sure if he'll be there, so they might not be his picks to worry about. Uh, Traded a 2021 fourth-round pick to Minnesota to move up eight spots to 155 to get an edge rusher uh, to get, um, what's his face, Travis Gibson. Travis, yeah, Travis. Yeah, Travis Gibson um, out of Fresno, Tulsa. Why did it say Fresno? (laughs) I am all over the place right now. Um, No, they moved up to 155 for Travis Gibson. He's a rusher, probably going to play some outside linebacker. This is a premium position, a position of need again, because you don't have Leonard Floyd. Um, And this guy, Gibson, is going into a really, really nice situation where he can learn behind Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Not too shabby. Here's what I like about Travis Gibson, and and I'm not comparing him to Khalil Mack, but when I was watching his tape after the draft, I mean, this dude was making Khalil Mack-type plays just from the pure stance of athleticism. I mean, this guy is an athletic freak. He's very slender and quick off the edge, and that's exactly what you, you mentioned learning from Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. That's what those guys do. They're pass-rushing athletic specialists on the outside that just find ways to get to the quarterback, and that's exactly what Travis Gibson is. He's very raw, and he's got the body, and he's got the right figure, and now he just has to put it together, 
And again, my God, I mean, imagine this guy, Gibson, right? It's a dream for him to be drafted to the Chicago Bears because of who's there right now. I mean, you learn from a future Hall of Famer and then one of the most, uh, you know, I would say one of the top edge rushers in the league in Robert Quinn. I mean, statistically, that is true. Um, And, you know, at first I wasn't in love with the pick because they traded the fourth rounder and I was a little bit, you know, worried about that. But the Bears are going to have a ton of compensatory picks next year and they will have a lot of picks to work with. So I'm less worried about that. And Ryan Pace must see something in, in Travis Gibson to move up that far and give up that pick for him. And I, I don't blame him. I mean, the depth is an issue, right? I mean, Aaron Lynch has done absolutely nothing. Leonard Floyd still is not gone. Resigned too. Still not yet. And I don't think that's going to happen. So when Khalil Mack needs his rest, which he will, uh, or when Robert Quinn needs his rest, I mean, I, I think it's going to be rookie Travis Gibson who's going to have to, you know, show up a little bit and use that athletic frame of his to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys remember Sean Oakman? Yes. Oh, my Defensive God. Yes, oh. yes. Okay. This guy, I feel, is going to be kind of what Sean Oakman was supposed to be. Um, Sean Oakman was literally just pure athleticism and no technique at all. Like, he was just bigger and faster than everybody else. Um, but I kind of see Travis Gibson being that that type of player who's going to use his athleticism. But he, he like he also has that power in a, in a way. So, um I think he's definitely very raw. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't know how much he'll contribute, on, you know, day one, but um, you know he can develop into a very solid pass rusher. Um, and you know, like like Kevin said, I mean, learning behind Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack is is, not, is definitely going to help him out. It's also nice because I mean, Kevin mentioned his good. I mean, six three. He's listed at six three two sixty one. So that's something you really like. Um, and he's kind of the opposite of what Floyd was, where Floyd was pure speed. Gibson is more power with a little bit of complementary speed. Um, yeah. So I, I like that. And with Aaron Lynch not re-signed yet and probably unlikely to be re-signed given the cap situation, Gibson's going to have a shot. He's probably going to be in that linebacker rotation from day one, assuming that you know he's healthy and he plays well. But I like this pick. I think I saw a lot of people had fourth round grades on Gibson. So I don't blame Ryan Pace for moving up to get him. Um, I think this guy could, again, I mean, and you like to have this optimism with, uh, with every guy you draft, but I think two years down the line, he could be someone where you think, okay, I'm glad we moved up for him because he's a starter now, or he's, you know, the third linebacker and is notching however many sacks a year because he has that potential for sure, and he provides much-needed depth there. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because when you when you think about the front seven of the Bears, you think, oh, no holes at all. I mean, this is a starting roster-wise, probably the best front seven in football. Uh, I would say, actually, without a doubt, the best front seven in football. But then, you know, we t- we see Khalil Mack off the field a lot. I mean, you know, more off like more times than I expected last year. I was seeing Khalil Mack on the sideline and Aaron Lynch there on third down, and just wasn't getting to the quarterback. So. Ryan Pace recognized that, look, we need depth and we need a guy who can actually produce. So I actually do believe Gibson will get an opportunity year one. Uh, Unless there's another guy that pops out, unless they sign another free agent, Gibson will have a role and he will have his opportunity to show himself. And with the pure strength that he has, he might just be able to use that to to get a little bit of production. Whereas, you know, the skill set will come in, in the coming years. But as far as just pushing a guy over to get to the quarterback... That is something Gibson might be capable of doing in his first year. Yeah, yeah. I hope so, because you need that depth and you need, I mean, yeah. like you said, Robert <clears throat> Quinn and Khalil Mack are going to need breaks here and there. So 
I mean, hopefully he can break into that rotation, especially if no one else gets re-signed or signed. Um, all right, keeping it moving. Round five, you obviously uh, got a, had a pick there, um, as why I'm saying it. Number one, six through three overall, Kendall Vilder, cornerback from Georgia Southern. Um, again, kind of a smaller school, but we've seen Ryan Pace take those chances on these guys. I mean, remember, remember Tariq Cohen came from North Carolina A&T. Uh, Jordan Howard was at UAB before he was at Indiana. Um, you know, so there's no huge risk here. I, I trust in his evaluations in the later rounds. But Vinder, probably going to be a special teamer in this first year, but 5'11", 190, nine career interceptions. He's going to pair with Duke Shelley and and battle with Duke Shelley for mm-hmm. that special team slash bottom of the cornerback depth chart spot. Um, but if he can make it, I I like his size. I like his instincts. I think if he can cut it to the 53-man roster, I think you might have something there. Chris? Yeah. Um, so I had – I personally had him in the, in the seventh round, but just because I did have him in the seventh round does not mean I don't think he can be good because this guy actually has the tools to be very, very good. He was really good at Georgia Southern. Um, and honestly, I don't I don't know about him competing with Duke Shelley. I honestly – look, I, I'm going to say it right now. I said – last year I said Duke Shelley could, um, could beat out Buster Screen to be able to play in the slot, but – Obviously, that didn't happen. He and then what happened, Chris? Buster Screen was your profile picture, what, two weeks yeah, in? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I'll take the L on that one. But, um, you know, Kendall Vilder is, like, he he definitely has – he can play outside. That's the thing. He he has the ability to play outside. He plays bigger than he really is. Um, and he has all the tools to be good. Like, I, I really think he can contribute right out, right out the gate. So, Kendall Vildor ran a 4.44 40-yard dash which is very fast, even That's for a cornerback. He also put up the most bench press reps of any quarter, cornerback in the draft class with 22. His vertical jump was 39.5. This is arguably the all-around most athletic, athletically gifted cornerback in the draft class of 2020. Um, I mean, and this guy's a dogfighter. When you watch his highlights, he is a dogfighter. And that's what I like about him. When he was going up against Clemson, uh, you know, they weren't winning the game. But this guy was playing ball. And he was matching up with T. Higgins real well, making plays all over the field. So you have, obviously, small school. But you have that sample size where he's making plays against one of the better teams in the nation. So you really shouldn't be worried about that. If you watch that tape against Clemson, you can see him do it against higher caliber players. But... I honestly, I mean, I like this guy better than Duke Shelley as a prospect last year. I mean, I, yeah. I just think this, I mean, just simply based off of his athletic nature, he's got ginormous hands, long arms. This guy is an interception machine with that body. Um, I, I, I am in love with this pick at this round. And, you know, I, it's unreasonable to say he'll start, but we're kind of doing this whole comparison to Duke Shelley, right? Because <clears throat> these are currently the both backups. And and I would not be surprised at all if he's higher than Duke Shelley is in the depth chart once the season comes around, just because oh, of his yeah. raw talent and his athleticism and his hard work ethic and his dogfight mentality that he's, he, I mean, that's what I like to see out of a player. That kind of mentality, and especially in the later rounds, a leader, you know, dogfight mentality type player, that's what you're getting out of Kendall Vildor, and I love it. Did you guys see the video of him uh, when he got drafted? And yes. He like, I did not. Yeah, he got I did really not. emotional. Yeah, it was, it, was, ex- it was really ecstatic. cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it was awesome. Well, yeah, that I mean, again, back to the culture that Nagy and Pace are trying to build. So that's, I mean, that's a good thing. That's what you want to see. Um, all right, 
On to the next round five pick, Darnell Mooney, a wide receiver out of Tulane. Pace traded it with the Eagles to get pick number 173. Um, you know, Kevin said that Vilder was fast as because he ran a 4-4-4. Uh, Mooney ran a 4-3-8, and he has just pure speed. He's a burner. Um, he's what he's going to be what you're looking to replace Taylor Gabriel with, probably. Um, probably not from day one, but those attributes are what you're looking for. You know, he's 5'10", too, 5'10", 176. He had some issues with drops, but I think that pure speed, and if they can work on that drop issue, um, then I think this guy can be good, and you love a good burner. He always has a chance, and as a round five prospect, he's going to have a shot to make the roster. Yeah. Chris, I know you love Darnell Mooney, and I know you love this pick. Yeah, so we talked about K.J. Hamler. We just got great value K.J. Hamler right here. This guy... He's just as fast. He kind of has kind of what Jake said. Like he has that same, I want to say those concentration drops, like, you know, they're, they're easily fixable, but it's something that, you know, you can't really ignore when when you're watching the tape. Um, He's a burner, but he makes plays. And, and, you know, that's the biggest thing you, you can throw the ball up to, to Darnell Mooney and he'll come down with it. And the dude is not big at all. So it's like, I don't know. You got to really damn. I, I think he can. I think he can fill in for Taylor Gabriel actually right away. Like as long as he fixes mm-hmm. those drops, I think he can really do it. We talk about a Taylor Gabriel replacement. This guy is literally Taylor Gabriel. I mean, he yeah. is literally the same player. I mean, he's extremely fast, but he doesn't like cease to go up for the football. I mean, watching his tape. I mean, the highlight you've probably seen if you're listening to this podcast is that one where down the middle of the field. I, I don't remember who's against, but. I mean, he just go rises up and comes down with it. And that's exactly what you saw from Taylor Gabriel. Not only does he have speed, but he's willing to go up and grab the football for you. And, I, you know, I love speed receivers in the later rounds because, you know, people look past them. But speed receivers oftentimes don't need a lot of other skills to be successful because that's yeah. what they're made of. And, and, and a lot of the speed receivers you see be successful in the NFL come in the later rounds. Taylor Gabriel was undrafted. So – I, I love this pick. Darnell Mooney was a name I didn't even really think about before this. But, I mean, you, Chris said he could walk in and be a starter. I truly believe he could walk in and be a starter because this is exactly the type of player you, you want on the uh, and you're looking for in this offense. And now we don't have to worry about a downfield threat or a guy to stretch open the field because Darnell Mooney's that guy. And I think you are going to see pretty good production from a fifth round pick this year on the Bears because they need it's not just oh let's throw a guy out there they need this kind of guy and I think they're going to rely on him to be that Taylor Gabriel because there's no one else to play that role he was also getting open and making plays against a very good Auburn defense so it was that, Auburn yeah yeah, to, yeah yeah it was Auburn that's, that, that's something to uh to definitely take note of yeah I like him as a speed threat I mean if he becomes a starter right away that's Perfect. I mean, a lot of these guys, we've said they can be starters or important role players right away. But I mean, again, that's just that optimism that comes with draft picks. And I think we truly feel that way about some of these guys. But um, one area that wasn't addressed and we were waiting for it to get addressed and we waited and waited and waited. um, Round seven, Ryan Pace waits to address offensive line, takes Arlington Hambright, uh, number 226 overall um, from Colorado. I don't love waiting that long to address offensive line. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's how the board shook out. 
That's how their evaluation shook out. And now you have to roll with it. And now, I mean, granted, probably nobody was supplanting Bobby Massey or Charles Leno Jr. anyway, but you have that hole at right guard. And so it's just interesting that they waited this long. But that being said, I mean, Hambright is six foot five and he, I mean, Colorado is nothing to sneeze at. So I, I think maybe he can stick, but seventh round picks are always a long shot. What do you guys think? Look, I'm not going to sit here and give you a draft evaluation on Arlington Hambright because, to be honest, I don't know a lot about him. And I'm not going to give it a grade because a seventh-round grade for any player is stupid. But what I am going to tell you is this shows ultimate trust in Juan Castillo and the fact that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy believed that it was a scheme issue more than it was a personnel issue. And that was a report. I don't know who said that, but that's what... Uh, that's what they said, and they, you know, they have trust in Juan Castillo and the guys that with the personnel that they have. I mean, they picked up some, uh, some free agents, uh, Ifedi, some of these other guys. I mean, there are pieces to work with, and I think that they believe that it was just, you know, we just need the right coach in there and the right scheme, the right system, and that it will be successful that way. Instead of having to go out there and find, you know, a replacement at right guard, I think they just assume they can work with what they had because Arlington Hambright isn't starting day one. I'm so, I, I hate to break it to you guys, but it's not going to happen. I don't, I'm not even sure Arlington Hambright is going to make the roster, but it, it, it proves that they believe what they have in place is fine because it worked in 2018. They just needed a change of coach, a change of scenery, uh, and hope that it meshes and works as well as it did in 2018. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this guy, I see him more at, more of like as like a guard um I, I really don't see him as a tackle i don't I, i'm pretty sure he was listed as a tackle though correct me if i'm wrong he was yeah okay so i mean i think he's more of a of a guard um but look like kevin was saying i mean this guy you're you're talking about a seventh round offensive tackle right here there's no guarantees he makes the team but chances are, are probably not even in his favor to make the team um but you know it, it's just one of those things where i i just like the fact that you know, he, he took the gamble on the offensive tackle. Just, you know, it's a position of need. So, you know, it, it, there's no there's no risk really involved, but there is a reward, you know, if it does pan out. So, um, you know, I can't blame him for, for doing it. I, I there's not really I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, this is a great pick. I'm, we're not going <laughs> to sit here and like Kevin said, talk about how bad of a pick a seventh rounder is. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens with this. Yeah, that's the thing with seven rounders always. It's wait and see. And that includes uh, Lacavia Simmons from Tennessee State, also an offensive tackle listed as one. But he's played both tackle spots and both guard spots. Um, six foot five again. Um, but again, seventh round pick. I think like Kevin said, this says more about Juan Castillo. And maybe this is guy. these are guys that Juan Castillo is like, let's go get those guys in the seventh round. Maybe he had some input there, which is working in their favor. Um, the only thing for both of these guys with me is you don't know what kind of offseason program you're going to have. And that's not, and that doesn't help any of the picks that the bears made, but especially for seventh rounders. Um, so that kind of stinks, but you know, if they turn out to be something great. Yeah. I like Lacavia Simmons a little bit more than Arlington Hambright, just based off of what I've seen, what I've read and what I've watched. Um, so if I were to say one has the upper hand, I, I would give it to Lacavia Simmons. But again, I'm not, I'm not giving uh, either one a different draft grade. I saw, I believe it was, I think it was CBS Sports gave our, our two seventh round picks a D plus draft grade. How, how dare you draft Arlington Harmbright at with the 227th pick? Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I don't like, like it. it 
grading seventh rounders will forever just baffle me. Um, so, like you guys said, you know, go Arlington, go Lacavius, let's go, let's go, let's put him yeah. to work. <laughs> Honestly, man, I think. It, look, if one of these guys pans out, I think you're feeling amazing about it. Honestly, oh, yeah. would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Look, you're, you're taking your chances and you're just hoping that one of them pans out. And you know, if you if that if that does happen, I think you got some amazing value. So, I mean, this is just these are seventh rounders, and and hopefully, you know, that 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 you know puts a chip on their shoulder and they can you know play well and make the team. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, anytime. I mean, any, if one in 10 seventh rounders makes it and turns into something, you consider yourself lucky. So, And you already have that with Charles Lino. So anything else is just gravy. Um, but, I mean, these guys are big. They're going to be working with Juan Castillo. I think he had some input here, so that works for them. But uh, let's give our overall grades for this draft class um, from Kamei to, uh, to our pair of seventh round tackles. Um, what do we think? And just give an overall grade for the draft class. I guess since I'm started, since I'm asking a question, I might as well start. Um, I give this a solid B, B minus, just because you address you got two starters with your first two picks, and then you got some guys with some high upside, especially in Gibson and Mooney. So I, I think it's a solid class um, overall. And I think that a lot of these guys, a few of these guys, can turn out to be real contributors, and some of them from day one. It's it started as a D or C minus. It started poorly, and I was worried, but boy did Pace pick it up uh, immediately with 50, and then with those later round picks, what he did. I mean, we didn't even talk about, I and mean, we talked about the trades, but the fact for him to accumulate three fifth round picks for relatively good price, uh, I think was fantastic, and I think you get three starters immediately out of this class. So overall, I would give it a B minus. Um, again, because I can't get over 43, but you know, you, you fill it. Cole Kamei was the best tight end on the board. Overall, he makes up for it in later rounds. That's a solid B minus, and I think you're not unhappy with that grade at all. Man, after I just want to say this really quick. After pick 43, me and Kevin were on Instagram live, and like I was like damn near ready to cry. Like my voice was <laughs> like I was just like Jesus, man. Like I can't believe this is happening. But um, no, I think a B minus or a C plus would would be a very fair grade. Um, you know, I I think they got they got some good value. I'm um, in the fifth round, but I know, you know, it's that, that pick 43 that I, I feel like is going to have to, I mean, we're just going to have to see it to, to finally like get over the whole, Oh, it was a reach thing. Um, we're going to have to see him perform. And if he does that, I promise you, nobody's going to care where he was drafted. So um, it sucks because, you know, the draft happens, then, you know, you're, we're just sulking in, in the whole, Oh, this is a, this is a reach. This is a reach. And then we have to wait so long to finally see him play. And then, yeah. you know, but um yeah, just perform and and you know if he performs, I think this you can this this draft is an A, it, honestly. If Colkmet performs, I I think with the other guys you got, this could potentially be an A draft. So. Yeah. I'm assuming that all of our favorite for the three of us, our favorite pick from this draft is the same with Johnson. Yeah. Johnson or Mooney? Johnson yeah. or Mooney for me? Yeah. But Johnson, pro- yeah, Johnson ahead of Mooney, but it's those two, yeah. Um, do either of you guys have any notes on the undrafted free agents? Anybody stick out to, other than Cleo Max brother, obviously from Buffalo was signed by the bears, same position outside linebacker. 
Um, I don't think any of us are expecting him to turn into Khalil Mack, but hey, maybe it gives Khalil Mack a little bit extra motor playing in front of his brother, some competitiveness or something. Yeah. Ar- Artavis Pierce. Yes. Running back out of Oregon State. I watched Bro, him oh last God. year. He was pretty damn good. And if you guys look at his stats, pretty damn good. He's, he, he's a, like, he can stick. He can definitely stick. So, Ohio State played Oregon State the first game of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And Artavis Pierce went off. The man had it. I, I think he had two 75 plus yard touchdowns. He was running over our defense with Nick Bosa and Chase Young on that offensive, on that defensive front. Jeff Okuda, he, he, there's a video of him outrunning Jeff Okuda down the sideline. This guy, don't sleep on Artavis Pierce because we talk about that third running back in this room. And right now we don't know who it is. I think Artavis Pierce could be number three. He could be the Nooks Ryan Nall, but better. I mean, I, I think this guy really has talent. Um, I, I saw it firsthand, and it was unbelievable as he was shredding one of the best defenses in the nation. Um, he's got speed. He's a big dude. Artavis Pierce is the name to watch. Artavis Pierce is the name to watch. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's uh, it's Ar- Artavis Pierce versus Ryan Nall, the battle of the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's funny. Um, yeah. Just a full list of the undrafted free agents the Bears signed officially. Um Defensive tackle Lee Autry, offensive guard Dieter Eiselin, linebacker Keandre Jones, uh, linebacker LaKel London, linebacker Ladarius Mack, obviously Cleo Mack's brother, uh, running back Napoleon Maxwell, defensive tackle Trayvon McSwain, uh, Artavis Pierce we just talked about, linebacker Rashad Smith, offensive tackle Badara Trari, and wide receiver Ahmad Wagner. So that rounds out, I believe that's 11 guys, undrafted free agent signing. So maybe some of those guys can stick. Artavis Pierce, Chris, and Kevin obviously love. Um, before we wrap this thing up, any final notes from you guys on the draft, undrafted free agents, anything? The Bears got to sign Jacob Nip as an undrafted oh, free agent. God, he didn't no. get drafted. You got to bring him home. Bring him home. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's going to be no opposition, opposition from Kevin on that well, one. Yeah, but. actually. That, that made me think of something. You know, the Bears didn't take a quarterback, and people thought they would. They didn't, and Jake Fromm was available late. Jake Fromm fell, and, you know, there were plenty of people who thought, is Ryan Pace going to pull the trigger on Jake Fromm? And he didn't. He didn't take Jalen Hurts. Uh, the Eagles did, you know, for whatever so reason. Weird. So weird. But, I, I, you know, it says something. It says something that not only did they not get a quarterback late in the rounds, they didn't get one earlier. They didn't get one in UDFA. Um, they are content with what they have. They're rolling with what they have, and and they believe in, in the two guys that are in there. So I, you know, I like that. I like that they've got full confidence in what's at stake and full confidence in that competition. And let's let it roll, baby. Let's get after it. Can you guys believe Anthony Gordon didn't get drafted? I couldn't believe that. Yeah, that was surprising. Like, that was man. Yeah, that was weird. That was really yeah. weird. Yeah, those a couple weird picks. I mean, maybe the Eagles could have taken him over Jalen Hurts. Still don't know what that was about. That um, was weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, um, at the end of the day, I think the Bears did get better. I think they got a couple starters, as we've said. Added a lot of talent. Added a lot of guys with a lot of things to like about them. So hopefully they turn into something. Hopefully they pan out. Um, obviously, some have better chances than others, but... Like I said, I think they got better here. So great for the great for them, great for the team. Ryan Pace, you know, I, I think he added some real guys here. So excited to see how they do. Obviously, we might not get a rookie minicamp or anything like that to get any early reports, but 
looking forward to seeing these guys play for sure. Yep. For sure. Yep. I'm excited. I'm excited. Bears got better, and let's, let's get off to this season. The division is ours, fellas. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, God, do we want to talk about what the Packers did? Lord, jeez, give you them can. an F minus. Give them an F minus. No, I mean, I, I, I think they ruined. I think they ruined. I think they ruined Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to play for them. I don't think there's a good relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur. Quite frankly, I don't think there was a good relationship before this move, and now I think it's fractured. They do nothing to help their team in the now. They said. Let's get a running back in the second round when you already have one of the better running backs in the league who put up like 20 touchdowns. I I don't understand it, but I am happy because they did not help themselves right now. And and I think the Bears, you know, Vikings had a good draft, but I think the Bears could quite easily be regarded as the best team in this division going into the 2020 season. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people have graded the Bears draft as like a D. So, yeah. Well, draft draft grades are always weird, but the Vikings they did are. have a strong draft, so yeah, that is did. scary. Did. But um, you know, right now I'm just worried about getting any football at all. So that's yeah. that's <laughs> that's what we'll focus on. But Fair. overall, good draft to the Bears. I think we're all pretty happy with it. We decided we're gonna make this into a mega episode. So we recorded our first portion, as you just heard, our draft portion with me, Chris, and Jake. But Obviously, we got big news just a few days after the draft that the Bears went out and made some big-time free agent signings. So we said, you know what? Let's hold it off. Let's make it into a mega episode because we know you guys are going to like these uh, this conversation about these new free agents because they are going to be role players for the team. Chris Nano is with me today to talk about that. Chris, how are we feeling? Feeling great. Feeling great. Not going to lie. feel a lot better now than I did doing the draft episode so (laughs) (laughs) i would agree it was you know for the first 10 minutes of that draft episode it was quite frankly a somber mood because all three of us were a bit unhappy about the cole Komet pick um but news of the bears acquiring safety to sean gibson chris i know this is a guy that you absolutely love i believe if i'm correct about a year ago you actually predicted him to come to the bears so uh you were right about that congratulations but how do you feel to sean gibson is a chicago bear alongside Eddie jackson First of all, I want to say thank you, thank you. Um, and then, uh, so honestly, I Tashawn Gibson's been one of my favorite players since I was in high school. Um, I used to watch him, uh, you know, and I would tell my friends like, man, like Tashawn Gibson, like this guy's the real deal. When even when he was back uh, back in Cleveland, um, so you know, I'm so excited about it. I think he's the perfect fit. And I'm not gonna lie, uh, we 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 were talking about a guy like Tony Jefferson. And I kind of I kind of forgot about Deshaun Gibson. Um, and, and you know, when, when we signed him, I was like, holy crap, like that really just happened. So, um, you know, I think he's I think he's going to be phenomenal next to Eddie Jackson. I think he's going to give you uh, what Adrian Amos gave you. But, you know, with the ball skills as well. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure I read this morning that he's going to wear number 38, just like Adrian Amos wore. So. Uh, that's going to be pretty interesting. And he said that him and Eddie Jackson are going to be a deadly duo. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I love the part, the part where you said Adrian Amos with ball skills, because that that's exactly what he is. He can play in the box. He can tackle. He has all those skills. But also, this guy uh, had a 53.5 completion percentage against him, uh, or 55 completion uh 54.1 completion percentage allowed and 55.0 passer rating against him which ranked fifth and sixth in the league um eddie jackson had a 57.6 passer rating against and a 53.5 completion percentage allowed so both those guys rank in the top six in those two categories so when you talk about a deadly duo 
you're talking about Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins don't want to throw the ball downfield. That's what you're getting out of this duo. And I think you could quite frankly make the argument this is the best safety duo in the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely up there. I know. Look, non-Bears fans would definitely not agree with that take. Right. But um, if Tashawn Gibson plays how we think he will, I think, you know, they're going to be amongst the best at the very least. Um, And then... Like you, you throw in, you throw in Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson's another guy. If he pans out like how we think he will, I mean, this, you're talking about a uh, legion of boom type secondary, honestly. So, yeah, it's kind of weird to me. I feel like outside of Chicago, people don't give Eddie Jackson a lot of respect. And oh, I don't know right. why that is, but I mean, Chicagoans know that this guy is a top three safety in the league. He was an all pro, but it doesn't seem like he gets that same respect outside of the city of Chicago. Yeah, because you know how it is. I mean, they, Eddie Jackson wasn't playing in his preferred position last year, but, you know, the casual fans and non-Bears fans aren't going to pay attention to that. So they'll just view it as a down year. But, you know, he was getting used to a position that he wasn't familiar with. Um, we're talking about we're still talking about, in my opinion, the the very best safety in the league. Um, and like you said, at worst, he's top three. Uh, I think when I think this year when when you see Tashawn Gibson playing a little bit more uh, in the box, you see Eddie Jackson moving back to center field. Um, I think you're going to see the Eddie Jackson that we all know and love. Absolutely. So about 40 minutes ago, I was ranting about how I was upset about the Bears taking Cole Komet. Um, I'm no longer upset about that, right? I mean, this was a glaring hole. Safety was a glaring hole. We weren't content with entering the year at Deion Bush. Now, I, I, I like Deion Bush as a backup. think he's fine in that position. Wasn't fine with him as a starter. But now that we have this information, I'm not as upset. You know, maybe this was the plan all along going to draft day. Maybe they had this guy tabbed for a while. I believe actually it came out. Matt Nagy was, was looking at this guy for a year. So, you know, maybe it all makes sense now. Maybe that was in the back of their head saying, you know what? I know Winfield Jr. There is there. I know Del Pitt is there. But we can get a seasoned veteran with a ton of experience on an, a team with a lot of experience and join that culture, and we can fill one of the other bigger positions of need. So that now makes sense, and I'm less upset. Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, even though we were upset with the, the commit pick at the time, I think we all realized why it was done. Right. Uh, I mean, it is a hole that needed to be filled. Uh, whether we liked it or not, whether we felt it was a reach or not, it was a position of need, position that definitely needed to be addressed. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where was he the best player available? I mean, no, even with this Deshaun Gibson pick, I don't I mean, my mind on that at least is not going to change. But, um, you know, I said this earlier, it, it, it's if he comes out and produces, no one's going to give a crap where he was drafted. Um, and, and that's the bottom line. And I think, you know, if Jimmy, if Jimmy Graham can give us some production as well, you're, you're talking about a very productive group, um, and that's what we need. We don't need um, pro bowlers necessarily, just guys that will get the job done that will help us move the ball down the field. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely feeling a little bit better about that Cole Komet pick for sure. You talk about guys who can get the job done, guys who can move the ball down the field. Well, that's exactly what you're getting out of Ted Ginn Jr., uh, former New Orleans State, former Carolina Panther, joins the Bears. They get another speed threat to go alongside Darnell Mooney. Um, they also picked up, uh, I forget his name, last name Davis from the Raiders. 
Trevor Davis, something like that. Another speed threat. Not sure that guy's going to make the roster, but you see what Matt Nagy's doing. He's adding speed threats, but you get a, I think, like a 10-year veteran. I, I don't know how long. Get, Ginn's been in the league for a while. This guy has, you know, career numbers, uh, and his, I believe, career reception, average yard per reception is at 14. So this is the ultimate deep threat. This is your Taylor Gabriel replacement. This guy will help you spread the defense, move the ball down the field. Chris, welcome Ted Ginn Jr. to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is a vet. You, we, I think you just you just hit it right there. Uh, he's going to be a guy who can definitely help out, you know, a player like Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, Ted Ginn has been on some really good teams as well. So he has he definitely has the experience. Um, and you're talking about a guy who comes in, fills in for Taylor Gabriel right away. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of people say that he may not make the team. Um, but oh, with the way with the way on. Matt Nagy was uh, talking about how he's been, you know, in Ted Ginn's ear for the entire offseason, there's absolutely no way I see him getting cut. So um, I think it's a very good move. It's another depth move. Um, and it gives you that deep threat, that that element that we said we needed. And, um, you know, between him and Darnell Mooney, I think. You know, we're going to see the ball getting moved down the field for sure. And for those who believe that Ted Ginn Jr. is a washed player, or he's too old, you know, Taylor Gabriel last year had uh, 29 receptions, 353 yards, and four touchdowns. Ginn Jr. last year, 30 receptions, 421 yards, two touchdowns. So Ginn Jr., uh, I, I don't know why I keep adding the junior in there. I'm sure it's annoying, is leading Taylor Gabriel in receptions and yards, obviously uh, lacking in touchdowns because Taylor Gabriel had a three-touchdown game uh, against Washington. But, I mean, this guy is far from rush. And, yes, you're not getting a Pro Bowl 1,000-yard receiver out of Ted Ginn. That's not what you're getting. You're getting that burst player who every once in a while will give you a 50-yard reception in times of need. If Bears fans are remembering the 2019 season enough, you remember against the New Orleans Saints, a very critical play in that game was a Ted Ginn Jr. 40-yard pass down the field that – almost put a dagger in that game and, you know, stabbed the hearts of Bears fans as they were absolutely getting shredded by that Saints offense. And Ted Ginn was a big part of that. So this guy has production and look, he's out there to spread the field. And this is a guy who ran a 4.28 40-yard dash. So you're getting the speed element and him and talk about Darnell Mooney and a guy he can learn from. I mean, he could have learned from Taylor Gabriel, but now he gets to learn from Ted Ginn. That's fantastic as well. They essentially the same player with probably the same career uh, I would imagine at the end of it so uh, great mentor and you know guy to go alongside Darnell yeah yeah for sure I mean you you, you said it perfectly we're not bringing in Ted Ginn to be a thousand yard receiver we're not bringing in Ted Ginn to to be to, to be the next uh, to, to play second fiddle even to Allen Robinson you know he's mm-hmm. going to be um, he's going to be used in a lot of different ways um, but primarily, you know, as that deep threat, I think he's going to, you know, be used to try to take the top off of defenses, like we like to say. Um, and then, you know, Anthony Miller, um, you know, that's another guy that I think could learn from from Ted Ginn. Um, so, you know, it, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I think uh, I think our wide receiver room definitely got a little bit deeper. It got deeper. But, Chris, does this spell doom for Javon Wims? You know, it, it's tough because. Okay, let you want you want to sit and and you know pick this apart right now. We can do it. Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, all right, let's do it. All right, Allen Robinson is making the team. Uh, Anthony Miller is making the team. Riley Ridley's making the team. And then the thing with Cordero Patterson is a lot of people are saying they could keep Wims if they um, you know use Patterson as like a running back and kind of just 
you, you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, the whole, so technically we'd be keeping a seventh receiver, but you know, he's, he'd be listed as like a WR slash RB type thing. So uh, if that happens, I think Wims could definitely make the team. Um, but if it doesn't, I mean, I don't think it's looking too hot for him. If I'm being honest, that's my guy, but I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on it? I, I, as it stands right now, I would say no. And it's really unfortunate because this is going to be hard for a lot of guys who need to head into training camp with a lot to prove. And, you know, you know, he had his opportunities. The, the, the thing that stands out to me about 2019, his performance was against the Dallas Cowboys. Matt Nagy called three, two or three straight plays to him in the end zone, jump balls in the back of the end zone against linebacker Jan Smith. He didn't come down with any of them. And great defense by Jalen Smith. Don't get me wrong. That guy played incredible defense against those um, on those pass plays. But, I mean, it's those plays that stick out to me. It's like, you know, Matt Nagy was hammering it in saying, we're giving you your opportunity. This is your chance, your time to shine. And he, he didn't rise uh, to the occasion. So, I don't know. Um, you know, this is a guy who would have to come on performing training camp, but we just don't know if that's going to happen right now. So that's that's where I see it as I'm not sure he's going to make the team unless he had a very good training camp, but it's obviously up in the air right now. Um, and after this Tegan Jr. acquiring, um, I'm not sure I'm not sure that there will be room for Javon Wims. But it, it, it is interesting what you mentioned about Cordero, how that plays out. Uh, Cordero is not getting cut, for anyone who's wondering. I don't know why you would ever think that's going to happen. This guy was one of our only all-pros last year. So just kind of put yep. that into perspective. Um, but, you know, I, I hope the best for Javon Wims. But right now, I would, I would, if I had to make a prediction, I would say he's not making the team. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have to agree as much as it hurts my heart. Right, because <laughs> if anyone who has listened to Bears Nation podcast for a long time, you would know that Javon Wims is deep down in the heart of Chris Nano. And although, you know, we have that promise, he was a seventh rounder. We didn't necessarily expect Pro Bowl aspirations for a guy like him. But, you know, we, we saw things, right? And we certainly yeah. said, you know, what we saw was promising. And, and it may still be there. And in three months, we could be wrong. And Javon Wims could be starting on the field week one. So um, we'll have to see. But right now, we're wrong with what we got. Uh, and it, we're going to talk about the whole team as a whole um, right now. Because to me, I see disrespect on this roster because, you know, Bleacher Report, ESPN, they come out with their post-draft rankings. And, yeah, it's early, and I don't really follow these rankings or believe much in them anyway because it's four months before the season. And I think rankings should really be determined after a team plays. But they do it anyway. They do it for the publicity. And the Bears are ranked 25th on Bleacher Reports and 21 on ESPNs. Now, to me, I think that's absolutely absurd. I think it's ridiculous, not just because I'm a Bears fan and not just because we may be biased, but simply because the Bears were 8-8 eight and eight last year with an abysmal offense, horrible QB play, no run game, and they still went 8-8 eight and eight against a tougher schedule than they're going to face in 2020. So to me, it's absolutely illogical. I don't know what these analysts are talking about. I don't know if they're sleeping on us or what it is. Or what, and I know the quarterback situation's in question. But Chris, why are the Bears getting so disrespected? Tell me. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's just a, a case of, you know, analysts, quote unquote, being <laughs> lazy. Um, you know, sure. it's just, yeah, it, you know how it goes though. Oh, the Bears quarterback situation isn't great. Um, yeah, let's just put, let's just put six wins next to their name. Like, you know, that, that sounds about reasonable. Like nothing, I feel like nothing gets broken down anymore. Like, it, yeah. like I, I really want to know. Other than the QB situation, how this team could possibly regress? I mean, 
like it just doesn't make sense. The schedule is going to be easier. Um, you know, I, I feel like we we filled up the holes um, where we needed to, albeit. Look, the offensive line still shaky to me. I I, I don't sure. think that that we've necessarily fixed that, and that may come back to be a problem. Um, but you know, they filled up so many holes, and and you know, we're talking about getting a QB like Nick Foles, and if he does win the job, which you know, in my head, I think he will. Um, I, I think you're talking about a competent quarterback that can move the ball down the field, and that's that's all we've asked for. I mean, we're not we haven't asked for an Aaron Rodgers type performance from our QBs. I mean, we're, we're talking about just get the ball down the field, put up points because you know, your defense is, is there, you know, how great they are, you know, they're going to keep you in every single game. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things where I, I think it's just laziness. And, and um, you know, that the, the thing about, I tweeted this out, I think last week, like every time a non bears fan talks about the bears, like it's just always something dumb. Like, it, like I just don't get it. Like it's never, anything illogical like it's it's always like oh haha, mitch trubisky sucks this and that and it's like come on man like that's that's getting tired like come at me with like something you know logical talk to me about actual football like don't be dumb i mean how many non-bears fans have come up to you and say well it's actually the offensive line that's the issue no oh, one oh. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean dude here here at school um you know i have i have a buddy who's a 49ers fan i have a couple buddies that are that are Packers fans. Um, and, you know, they'll always be like, Hey man, like Mitch Trubisky, man, like, you know, kind of just trying to mock me and stuff. And I'm like, right. man, like, he's just, please, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. Just leave me alone. Right. And I, I think, I mean, it, yeah, it's a quarterback league. I, I, I mean, I guess it's a quarterback league. You could, you could say, right. And, yeah. but it's, you know, there's so much more that goes into it. I mean, the Bears, if they're even going to go anywhere this year, you know for a fact they are not going anywhere because the quarterback's going to be an all-pro quarterback. You know they're going to get where they want to be by average to above-average quarterback play, phenomenal defense, and a competent running game. That's exactly how they're going to—that's the formula for them. So people just don't understand that. People don't want to accept that. But— to tell you that that's the way it's going to be. If it's Mitch Trubisky, if it's Nick Foles, I'll tell you right now, neither of them, I don't think, will be Pro Bowl quarterbacks. But if whoever it is, if they throw 3,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, you know, 10 interceptions, and the defense yeah. is number one in football, this team is going to be in the Super Bowl, in my opinion, because they that's exactly what those stats were in 2018 where they should have made it that far. So that's the reality of the situation. Um Bears fans, I mean, Mike Clay, uh, ESPN NFL reporter, had the Bears defense at 11th. I mean, not, now you want to talk about laziness. I think the Bears defense got better. I don't know about you, yeah. but yeah. I think they got better. I mean, it did. Look, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. I bet you, like, no one that's not a Bears fan understands how big of a repl- like how big of the uh, how big of a swap uh, Robert Quinn for Leonard Floyd is. Like that. Right. That is li- like Leonard Floyd. Like people still have this conceived notion that Leonard Floyd is like some superstar because he was a first round pick out of Georgia. Like the dude was getting mauled by by three. Like any time a lineman got his hands on Leonard Floyd, like it was game over. Like I think we all knew that. And Robert Quinn is not Leonard Floyd. Robert Quinn will get to the QB. That'll help out Akeem Hicks. That'll help out Khalil Mack. And then don't forget, do not forget about Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. I mean, how could you forget about those two? Like, come on. And then also our secondary, we talked about it earlier. Like, it just, it doesn't, like, if you ask these guys why the Bears defense is 11th, like, I 
guarantee you it's going to be some some narrative that you heard like 20 times on all social media platforms like that, that's just how it goes man that's just how it goes and and look i think that you know i think a lot of fans would feel the same way as bear fans are feeling that you know people are are it's all about narratives you know like mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't know you know like i feel like bears fans wouldn't know everything about the packers um, about their depth and, and stuff like that you know that's just how it goes but um, you know, it, it would just be nice for some of these guys to, to, you know, dig a little bit deeper and actually get down to the facts. Because, I mean, a, the 11th ranked defense, like, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> I, that, that, it's mind it's mind boggling to me how I mean, and sure, if 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 there's just a guy who says, yeah, it's the 11th ranked defense and he's just a guy with 16 followers on Twitter versus a guy who does this for a living. I just want to ask Mike Clay, you know, what what is you know, what hole do you see? Because to me, I see nothing. I see. I mean, sure, quite, maybe. I mean, we Bears fans have a very big belief in Jalen Johnson, and rightfully so. You know, I could maybe see someone saying, "Well, he's not proven yet." I understand that he's a rookie. I get it. But other than that, I mean, we're talking about upgraded at outside linebacker, upgrade in my opinion, just schematically, not player-wise. Just you know what you're getting out of uh, Tashawn Gibson in that scheme. That way you don't have two roaming free safeties. That is an upgrade, in my opinion. Um, you know, you have healthy players now. I mean, the Bears were not healthy on defense in 2019. Yeah. So I, I would just want to ask him. I just want to ask him a question. You know, you know, why? You know, why? Why do you have it this way? And, you know, I, I, we probably won't find an answer unless Mike Clay uh, agrees to come onto our show. So Mike Clay, you know, come on and let us know. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just want to bring up real quick. You talk about Roquan Smith. I feel like people think Roquan Smith has hit his ceiling. For some reason, I feel like people hit, like yeah. feel that way. Roquan yeah. Smith is far from his ceiling, and this guy is already a very, very good player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look, the, kind of going back to what you said about the whole 16 followers thing. Like, <laughs> these, like these, these guys that that do this for a living like these are the guys swaying opinions like so like if they say these are the guys creating these narratives so it's like like them not having their information is basically what's causing all these tired narratives so it's like i mean i just i don't get it man it's laziness and and it's it's pathetic like do do you remember who was ranked ahead of the bears uh um in mike clay's list no who was it no no i'm I'm asking you i'm not i'm not no i i'll I will look it up, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Man, like, because I know there's going to be some teams in there that have no mm-hmm. business being ahead of the Bears because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just how it goes. I'm going to look pathetic. up I'm gonna look at the power rankings, too, to see which 24 teams are ahead of the Bears in the Bleach Report power rankings. They, they had the Bears at, I think, sixth in the draft order, taking Justin Fields next year. And, and sure, well, maybe the Bears could trade up next year. I, you know, I don't think they'll be at six. Let's slow yeah. the roll on that. I mean, if the Bears, I, I would, I would bet more money on the Bears having 12 plus wins than having less than seven. That's yes. the way I see yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man, it, it's just, look, if the Bears, if the Bears have the seven, sixth pick in the draft, just you can pretty much count like the fact that everybody's fired. Like I, I, I truly think oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like I mean I don't think they're gonna be that bad. Like that is that is like I understand I understand the whole yeah that you know they they won't be amazing. Okay, maybe like I get that argument. I'll definitely entertain that. But like 
the sixth pick, I mean, you're talking about that's like what five and eleven territory. Like, yeah. Here, uh, so I have the rankings pulled up. You want to hear the who's ahead of the Bears? So they had the Bears at 26, so I was wrong. So they had the Bears at 26. Right ahead of the Bears at 25, the New York Giants. Oh. Right ahead of the New York Giants, the New York Jets. Oh, my goodness. Then the Raiders at 23. Then the Dolphins at 22. And then uh, the Rams at 21. I don't – that could be possible. The Patriots at 20. The Broncos at 19, while the Broncos add a lot of pieces, I, let's slow the roll on 19. Uh, the Texans at 18, after trading away their whole roster. Um, the Browns at 17, you could go either way on that. The Falcons at, the Falcons at 16, uh, who were, I believe, 5-11 and 11 last year. Was, no, they, they won more games at the end of the season. They weren't 5-11. and 11. But, I mean, come, come on. I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't know. And that's where it's just like, man, I just, I just, I want, because as Bears fans, you obviously follow Bears people. You see what Bears people say. And obviously Bears people have certain opinions. So I, I just want to know, outside of Bears Twitter, outside of Bears territory, what the notion is other than the quarterback situation. Because it, it's got to be something else. I know it's a quarterback league, but, like, it, there's got to be something else that's making people feel this way. Yeah, I I mean, I was just sorry. I was, I kind of zoned off for a little bit, and I was thinking <laughs> that I'm actually gonna go ahead and, and tweet that out after this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask, yo, non Bears fans, what are your thoughts on this Bears team? Like, mm-hmm. just give me your thoughts, like raw thoughts about um, what how you feel about this Bears team? Because I know 100% people are gonna talk about the quarterback. Uh, yeah. That's one thing, and I mean, people, man, it sucks. It, it really sucks. Like I. I I, for some reason, like I just, I've seen a lot of people say the Vikings are going to be better. And I actually just don't understand how, um, I mean, they've lost some key pieces on defense. Uh, they lost their best wide receiver. Uh, their running back can't stay healthy at all. Um, their quarterback folds like a lawn chair in every pressured moment. Uh, I mean, it just, I don't get it, man. I, I really don't. I, I understand the Packers because look, they won the division. Like, they, they sure. get they get their respect, but at the same time, don't forget when we won the division a couple of years ago, the notion was oh they're gonna regress. So I kind of I, I pray to God that we hear that same narrative for the Packers. But I already know it's, they have Aaron Rodgers, so you know you're not gonna get that that narrative. Right. So. Right, you'll never get that. I mean, the you know the Packers will always be ranked top ten, even with the worst yeah. defense, because they have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's yeah, it's, that's just the way it I, is. I I do want to say something though. I think the Lions are being heavily disrespected as well. I, I would think agree. I would agree. They were ranked. They were ranked. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was ESPN that ranked us twenty first, but whatever list we were ranked twenty first on, the Lions were ranked twenty eighth. Okay, and. I don't know if I don't know if you if you remember Kevin, but their offense was actually looking pretty damn good before Stafford went down. Like they were, and that was without DeAndre Swift. I mean, look, yeah, their defense is is not that good, um, but I mean they were they were looking good last year with with arguably you know a worse defense. They added Nick Williams, who I think is a is a really good player. So. Um, you know, I, I think that the Lions could win like six to eight games and, and I think they'll finish last in the division. So, um, like, I think I think the NFC North is going to be a dogfight for sure. Uh, I, I will say that, like, despite us talking about how, you know, you know, the Vikings and Packers are not better this and that. But like it, it'll it'll be a dogfight between between the four teams. 
It will be a dogfight, and I feel bad for the Lions because they have to play three very good teams all throughout the year. I mean, that's you know that that's the tough part. I think that's why people have them so low. Is like you have to play three very. I wouldn't say very good. I don't think the Vikings are a very good team, but three good teams in the Packers, Bears, and 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 Vikings six times a year. So, but. I don't know, man. It's it's you know it's crazy, uh, but I'm really interested to see the results of your tweet and and see what people are talking about because I feel like we're getting disrespected. I you know you know the NFL memes account that they have on Twitter and and yeah. Instagram. They posted a thing today. They said you know if you're having a bad day in quarantine, just know you aren't uh, you at least aren't a fan of the Bears, the Browns, the Redskins, or the Cowboys. I'm like, man, you know you know I'm proud to be a Bears fan. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. This is the most storied franchise in NFL history with the most Hall of Famers, one of the greatest teams of all time. Sure, we haven't won a title in the past 35 years, but I don't care because this is a football city, this is a football town, and this is a goddamn football team, and I'm proud to be a Bears fan. There's my rant. Screw the NFL memes account because I'm a damn proud Bears fan. I don't know about you, Chris. Man, I I honestly, like, I'm, to me, I, I think it's like, it's like a little bit also, just the fact that I like, I'm just so proud to be from Chicago. Like, I, I yeah, just like yeah. it's home. Like, and and like I'll ride. Like, I'm not even a Bulls fan, and I get so mad when people talk crap about the Bulls. Like, <laughs> I'll defend the Bulls like crazy. And I honestly, I promise you, I'm a Trailblazers fan. So like, I I don't really <laughs> root for the Bear, uh, the Bulls actively, but like, I want to see them do well. Like, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. my home. That's Chicago. Like, why would you not want to see see them do well? So, you know, I. I I don't know, man. I love being a Bears fan. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like we could go 0 and 16 for the next 10 years, and like I would still sadly be a fan <laughs> of this team. <laughs> like I'm in too deep now. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, exactly yeah. right. So um, before we head out, speaking of documentaries, uh, the Last Dance has been on and and that's been pretty exciting just being from Chicago and having the city being represented Michael Jordan all that have you been watching the last dance yeah yeah I have um last couple weeks I've been doing schoolwork while watching it so I haven't seen like you know the whole thing but uh you know I was watching bits and pieces of it gonna get around to watching it all um but yeah man it's it's phenomenal I really like what they're doing with it I think it really shows you like what really went down and, and, you know, the behind the scenes stuff that obviously a lot of people didn't know. And, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old. So um, I wasn't alive during the Jordan era, but um, you know, it's so cool. Like just seeing exactly what was happening, you know, like Mm -hmm. you you go back and watch the highlights. Now, you know, the result of of all these games. So it's like, it's not really as exciting, but you know, to be able to, to kind of, to kind of see like, what they were going through as, as the games went on, as the seasons went on, I, I think is really awesome. Yeah. The ins and outs of the organization, how the management exactly. and, and is, you know, I think that's really, really important for like the future of sports. I mean, that is, you know, the, who knows how many more championships the Bulls could have won had Jerry Krause not decided to disband that organization. And I think that's, it says a lot about management and teams and the relationship between players and their GMs, players and their coaches. And I think it says a lot about the Bears because I think the players really do respect Matt Nagy, the way the Bulls players respect Phil Jackson. I think players do respect Ryan Pace and are proud to be part of that organization. Um, not a lot of issues like they have in Jacksonville where guys are asking for trades and stuff like that and wanting to get the hell out of there. So I think, you know, it just made me think watching the last dance and seeing the ins and outs of an organization, you know, translating that to the bears makes you feel like you're in good hands with, with what's currently at place, uh, 
in the management, in my opinion. So that's it. Um, we have we we're gonna have an episode next week with JJ Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. That's gonna be a really fun one. He's a great Bears mind. Uh, gonna talk about a lot of good analysis and insight. Um, schedule comes out Thursday. Uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So be on the lookout for that as the Bears will find out who their opponents will be with uh, how many primetime games they will get. Hopefully it's a lot because we love primetime games. We love the Bears to be on the national stage. Uh, we, we love to see the Bears win and not stink like they did on Sunday Night Football against the Rams. We like to see the Bears win on the national stage. I'll just say that. But uh, Chris, good to have you on. Good to talk to you. Talk some Bears. Uh, take care and bear down, baby. Bear down, bear down. Let's go!